Peace be upon you. Gentlemen, today just wanted to give kind of a background as far as how I came to the message. Um, spent a lot of time, you know, we've done a lot of podcasts and uh, never really gave much of a backstory as far as uh, how I came to get the message and um, basically started, uh, you know, studying and reading the Quran. And it started when I was a kid. So when I was a kid, I was a traditional Muslim, went to a Muslim youth camp, Sunday school, um, all the typical stuff. Uh, and, you know, we'd always be surrounded going to talks and lectures and uh, Friday prayers and hearing people uh, talk about Islam. And when I was a kid, I was very impressionable, just like most kids. You kind of just accept what it is, you take the good with the bad, and you don't really question much. And the the qualm I had was when questions would arise... They would always say like, oh, uh, you're, you're too young, you don't understand, and you know, it'll come to you when you're older. And as I got older, started asking you know, more questions about uh, the way that they're uh, practicing and believing, certain things didn't seem right to me. Uh, one of the aspects was the, the fact that everything we did was in Arabic, right? We never actually read the Quran in English uh, to understand what was the message that God was uh, proclaiming. And every time when he talked to someone, they said, oh... Um, Read in Arabic, you get more credit, you know, memorize it in Arabic. Uh, and it doesn't matter that you don't know what you're saying. And to me, that seemed very, uh, didn't seem right. So as I got older, um, I got to the point where I said, I started really questioning uh, faith in general. Uh, not the faith in God. I had absolutely, you know, 100% trust in God and the existence of God and, uh, you know, knowing who God is. But what was, was uh, missing was this aspect of how do I know that the message I have, right, that this Quran, this uh, religion, uh, was the actual religion of God. Um, because everyone you talk to all over the world, they all believe they have the right religion. Uh, they believe that their scripture, their prophet, their messenger, you know, their way, their interpretation, their uh, style of practice uh, is the right one. It's the truth and everything else is falsehood. Um, and I was genuinely curious, like, how do you know? How do you know that this is a message from God? And by the time I got to college, it was pretty much, I kind of put everything aside um, all forms of organized religion, and I just worshiped God, and I didn't know what to believe. And if you asked me back then, you know, kind of, would you be religious? When are you going to look into this? I, you know, the answer I typically gave was, oh, when I'm 40, I'll figure it out, right? When I'm 40, I'll start researching, and then I'll come to some sort of consensus as far as what it is I believe. And until then, you know, uh, I'm not going to worry about it too much. And by God's leave, there's a verse in the Quran. It's in, um, pull this up really quick. It's in chapter 28, and it says, uh, 2886 says, You never expected the scripture to come your way, but this is a mercy from your Lord. Therefore, you shall not side with the disbelievers. And I absolutely was not expecting the scripture to come my way. And what came my way uh, happened there in college, and uh, it was the understanding of the mathematical miracle of the Quran. Um, someone I went to school with, uh, they were well-versed in it, and they uh, showed it to me. And when I started researching it, it blew me away. I spent six months solidly just studying uh, all the, uh, the, the, the counts, uh, the verses, and also the, the subject matter at hand. And um, I would constantly go to people of all faith, all beliefs, people I grew up with, people I uh, studied with, people at uh, imams that I looked up to, and I would ask them these basic questions. And uh, I was... Uh, at that point, it was just, it, it was shocking to me that, A, that how suppressed the mathematical miracle in the Quran was, but then also all these things that it brought to light. And um, in the first podcast we ever did, we actually went over the uh, mathematical miracle. 
And I just want to give a kind of a, a brief rundown as far as what the mathematical miracle of the Quran constitutes and why it's so absolutely uh, amazing, such a great miracle um, that God says that if you combine all the previous miracles, that it wouldn't equate to one-tenth of this miracle. Uh, and that's in 3445. It says, those before them have disbelieved. And even though they did not see one-tenth of the miracle we have given to this generation, when they disbelieved my messengers, how severe was my retribution? And this is just to put to light just how an amazing uh, aspect the mathematical miracle of the Quran is. Because what the mathematical miracle of the Quran does is it authenticates every letter and every verse and every chapter of this entire book that we have without the slightest shred of doubt that this is the absolute uncorrupted message from the Lord of the universe. And it safeguards every letter, every word, every verse, uh, every title of every chapter um, to the point that if anyone was to insert any falsehood or change any letter, or any word, we'd be able to detect it. And the foundation of the mathematical miracle revolves around the letters. And in, uh, in the, the beginning of 29 chapters in the Quran, it starts with just miscellaneous letters that for 1400 years, no one knew what these letters meant. So, for instance, in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, A-L-M, or in Arabic, Aleph, Lam, Mim, and it says, This scripture is infallible, a beacon for the righteous. In uh, chapter 10, it uh, starts out, again, in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful, A-L-R, or Aleph, Lam, Ra. It says, These letters are proofs of this book of wisdom. And um, in 12.0, again, it's A-L-R, Aleph, Lam, Ra. It says, These letters are proofs of this profound scripture. And it continues, you know, uh, Chapter 27, in the name of God, most gracious, most merciful. T.S. Tossin, these letters constitute proofs of the, of the Quran, a profound scripture. So, it's on top of these 29 chapters, it has these miscellaneous initials, and then it says, you know, that these letters, they constitute proofs of the scripture, uh, that this is a word from God. And for 1,400 years, no one knew what these letters meant. Um, and that all changed in 1974 when uh, the... Uh, Rashad Khalifa, Dr. Rashad Khalifa, uh, the Messenger of the Covenant, actually went and put the Quranic text inside a computer. And what he did is he put the, uh, the, the Arabic letters, made them to the uh, English equivalent, and placed them inside a computer. So like Aleph became A, Lam became L, Ra became R, right? It's pretty straightforward enough. And what he realized is that when he cranked, uh, cranked out the numbers, that in any given designated chapter, the occurrences of those letters within that given chapter consistently ended up uh, becoming multiples of 19. So, for instance, in chapter 2, verse 1, it's the longest chapter in the Quran. It's 286 verses. The first, uh, the initials of that chapter are Aleph, Lam, Mim. And if you added all the Alephs, all the Lams, and all the Mims in the Arabic text of the Quran, the number you get is 9,899, which is a multiple of 19. And um, this is consistent with all the ALM chapters, all the ALR chapters, uh, and then it's also, there's an accumulative effort. So for instance, like HM, Hamim, it uh, prefaces uh, chapters 40 through, I believe it's 45. Um, let me confirm that really quick. Yeah, so from 40, sorry, to 46. So chapter 40 through 46, it has the initial Hamim. And this is an aggregate. If you add all the Hams and all the memes of all these chapters, they end up multiple 19. And then what's interesting in chapter 42, it has two sets of initials. So it has, has Hamim and uh, Ein Sin uh, Rof, right? And again, in the if you add all the Ein's, all the Sin's, and all the Rof's in uh, that chapter 42, 
that number is 209, which is uh, a multiple of 19. Then, in addition, what's interesting is, like, say, chapter 42 and chapter 50, they both have the initial Q, uh, and the occurrence of the letter Q in both these chapters in the Arabic text is 57, 19 times 3, even though chapter 42 is uh, twice as long as chapter 50. So this is showing some deliberate, um, uh, let's put it this way, intervention in the uh, writing of this Quran. Now, this is something that the Prophet sure didn't know, right? Because the Quran didn't come down to, even though it came down to him all at once, he revealed it over a span of 23 years by God's leave. Um, so the Quran was basically formulated after his death. Um, that they actually put it into a book and they, they compiled it and then they started uh, reprinting it and distributing it out. And what's profound about this is that if you think about it in the element of design, you know, we didn't pick the letters, right? We didn't even pick the number. Uh, the number 19 is uh, in the Quran. It's in chapter 74. Um, coincidentally enough, I mean, obviously it's not a coincidence, but uh, 1974 was the year of the discovery. Uh, 1974 is 19 and 74. Chapter 74 is the only chapter in the entire Quran that mentions the number 19. And when you read chapter 74, it's entitled The Hidden Secret, right? This expression, The Hidden Secret, if you uh, take it like uh, the what this means, literally the word encryption, uh, the Latin, the root of it, means the hidden secret. And this is what God did. God encrypted a numerical structure inside this book to authenticate every letter and every word, just like we do in the uh, in uh, encryption. When we do signal processing, we send a message and we wanna make sure that the bits aren't changed or no one is basically able to, um, uh, to, to eavesdrop on the message, we encrypt the message. And God did the exact same thing with this Quran. And when you read chapter 74, the entire chapter is about this mathematical miracle. And it says, in the uh, name of God, most gracious, most merciful, O you hidden secret, come out and warn, extol your Lord, purify your garment, right? This garment is this Quran, purify this Quran. Forsake what is wrong, be content with your lot, steadfastly commemorate your Lord. And it says, uh, then when the horn is blown, that will be a difficult day for the disbeliever not easy. It says, let me deal with the one I created as an individual. I, made, I, I uh, provided him with lots of money and children, to behold, I made everything easy for him, yet he is greedy for more. He stubbornly refused to accept these proofs. I will increasingly punish him, for he reflected, then decided. Miserable is what he decided. Miserable indeed is what he decided. He looked, he frowned, he whined, then he turned away arrogantly. He said, this is but clever magic. This is human made. Right. So the disbeliever is saying, this, is, this Quran is clever magic. It's human made. And God says, I will commit him to retribution. What retribution? Thorough and comprehensive, obvious to all the people. And then immediately in verse 30, it says, over it is 19. So the disbeliever in this chapter is saying that this Quran is uh, human made, that it, this is clever magic. And God is saying he's going to prove him wrong. And it says with the statement, over it is 19. And it says, we appointed angels to be guardians of hell and we assigned their number 19. And it says, it gives five reasons for this mathematical miracle. It says, one, to disturb the disbelievers. Two, to convince the Christians and Jews that this is a divine scripture. Three, to strengthen the faith of the faithful. Four, to remove traces of doubt from the hearts of Christians, Jews, as well as the believers. Five, to expose uh, those who harbor doubt in their hearts. And the disbelievers will say, what did God mean by this allegory? God thus sends astray whoever wills and guides whoever wills. None knows the soldiers of your Lord except he. This is a reminder for the people. And it says, absolutely, I swear 
by the moon and the night as it passes and the morning as it shines. This is one of the great miracles, a warning to the human race. So God is telling us in this Quran, in this chapter, the purpose of the number 19 within the context of this Quran and how this is a great miracle. And when you look at the, the, the mathematical structure of the Quran, it's absolutely mind-boggling. The number of chapters in the Quran is 114, which is 19 times 6. The number of verses in the Quran is 6,234, which is a multiple of 19. The number of times that the word Allah, God, capital G, occurs in the Quran is uh, uh, 2,698, which is a multiple of 19. If you add all the verses where the word Allah occurs in the Quran, you get 118,123, which is a multiple of 19, right? Consistently throughout the Quran, every single of these aspects, consistently multiples of 19. And now the thing is, someone can make the claim, they say, oh, well, look, there's enough parameters here where 5% of these, roughly 5%, are going to end up being multiples of 19. That's just basic statistics. Now, what differentiates this from just uh, a probability distribution, again, is we didn't pick the letters, right? The letters preface the chapters uh, within 29 chapters, which constitute the, the, the majority of this Quran. Um, these letters were assigned from day one. From the day that Prophet Muhammad got the message, revealed it to the people, these letters have been in place, right? So we didn't pick these letters. We didn't pick the number 19, right? This is all embedded inside this text. Now, if I was to go and pick a book, right, I can go and find, you know, uh, run enough data that eventually I'll find some correlations of some sort. But that's, that's manipulating the data. This, on the other hand, is something that God has presented to us, that in the book it says this is a message from the Creator, the Lord of the universe. And here, proofs of this message are these letters, that these letters end up basically safeguarding anyone being able to add any additional uh, information, changing the chapters, changing the, uh, the verses, changing the text, to authenticate every single letter and every single word that we read within this book is absolutely guaranteed to be from God. Right? Because if you think about it, so say, for instance, in an Aleph Lam Mim chapter, if I was to add, and keep in mind, these are the three most common letters in the Arabic language. If I was to add one more Allah or reduce one more Allah from this text, the entire mathematical structure falls apart. Right, And it's one of these things that it becomes, you realize just how awesome that is. Because one of the biggest questions I had, and I guarantee so many other people had, how do we know that this message, this book, is actually from God? Right? Because if you go and talk to anyone who has a scripture, they claim that their book is from God. And the reality is the Bible, the Torah, uh, the, uh, the Gospels, these are all originally from God. But they've been corrupted. Passages have been lost. Uh, text has been changed. Originals have been uh, you know, not encountered for. But the Quran is a, it's considered the final testament. It's the final scripture to basically unite Christians, Jews, Zoroastrians, Hindus, uh, Muslims, all of us to one unified religion to worship God alone. And this is the text by which we live, uh, live by. This is the text by which our entire salvation is dependent on. Because the answers to anything that has to do with our salvation is within this text. And when I started researching this, when I started uh, understanding this, and then all of a sudden, th this, became, this became, in essence, it's the flare, right? It's the indicator that this is something special. This isn't something that was just uh, some other common book. And you think about this example. When Jesus came, right, Jesus performed these miraculous miracles by God's leave, right? Uh, he, uh, he brought food from the sky. He cured the lepers, cured the, the blind. But what really mattered was his message. 
And same thing with Moses, right? Moses comes, he provides these amazing miracles. Uh, and the reality was the miracles are just an indication that there's something profound here. What really matters is the message, right? This miracle serves the exact same uh, function. The miracle just gives us the exactly what it says in chapter 74, that it removes all traces of doubt from the hearts of Christians, Jews, as well as the believers. And it strengthens the faith of the faithful. For those of us who know, know who God is, and we're just wondering, what is God's message to us? God is providing this by means of this Quran and the mathematical miracle. And it's something not to be taken lightly. And so what is the message? Islam at large has been severely corrupted. And it's not a surprise. I mean, you turn on, go and look, if anyone has any doubt about Islam's corruption, go look at the countries who claim to be Islamic nations and see how absolutely dysfunctional they are, right? They're not following one shred of this Quran. They've created all sorts of man-made innovations from stoning of women, uh, which we call just uh, completely oppressive, violent uh, cultures, uh, honor killings. I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on that have nothing to do with this religion. And this is the reason that God provided this miracle for this time and this date is because God's religion has been almost eradicated from the face of this earth. And if it wasn't for the sake of God's mercy, of purifying his message and allowing us to come back to the roots of what it was to be the religion of Abraham, right? What was the religion that Jesus had? What was the religion that Moses had? What was the religion that Muhammad had? It's an absolute blessing from God to have this. Right, to know that these words that we read in this book is exactly what God wanted us to have, is exactly what God wanted us to, to, to found our religion on. And there's so much corruption out there. I mean, you cannot step foot into a quote-unquote place of God without seeing an idol beside God. Be it in a church with, uh, with uh, Jesus, be it in a mosque with the names of Ali or Muhammad or some other saint or prophet, um, and you realize that God's religion is barely alive in this world. Yet there's so many people who are just absolutely at the bottom of the heart. They believe in God alone. They want to worship God alone. But when they go to seek answers, what they find is absolute idol worship, right? It's people being oppressed, uh, no freedom of speech, no freedom of religion, no property rights, right? And this is what's supposed to be constituted as God's religion, right? They create mockeries out of God's, uh, the history of God's messengers, and God provided us, basically, the assurances, the peace of mind to know that this is the message for mankind. And it's not something to be taken lightly. And when I started researching, the more I started, I mean, the, the Quran cannot be more clear. I mean, so much of these aspects, these uh, these things that people, they, they fight over and mull over, it's as clear as, uh, as clear as day in the Quran. And one of the funny things is, I mean, it's such a subtle point, but uh, say, for instance, women covering their hair. There is no basis whatsoever in the entire Quran that says it's a law from God that women need to cover their hair. And the first time I heard this was I was in junior high and I had a teacher who wasn't, you know, Muslim religious as far as I knew. And she just made a passive comment that, oh, in the Quran, it doesn't say that women should cover their hair. So I was, I was uh, irate. I was like, no, absolutely not. I go to Sunday school and, uh, you know, my mom and my uh, teachers, they all tell me that this is mandatory. So what I did is I went to some of the, uh, the imams at the time that I really looked up to and I said, hey, my teacher, she's telling me that it's not in the Quran and I want to prove her wrong. And um, they would just brush me off. 
I'd say, well, can you please show me? I'd bring a Quran. Please show me. Where does it say it? And at the time, you know, I realized, like, (laughs) it's not that. They know. They know that this is not in the Quran. They know that these aren't like the, the, the way that they practice, the way that they, uh, they preach, the, uh, the tactics that they use, they're not from the Quran. And that's the reason the responsibility is so much more. The responsibility to come clean to the people, to say that, hey, they are not following this Quran, that they have followed a man-made religion that is basically founded on culture as opposed to the word of God. And there's so much else. We did an entire podcast about the Shahada, the declaration of faith, the the foundation of our religion is that there is no God beside God. That's it. Yet you go and talk to, you know, any of the billion uh, plus Muslims in the world and you say, what's the, the Shahada? What's the declaration of faith according to God? And they give you something that's not in the Quran. They say, Ashadu an la la lillallah, Ashadu an Muhammad Rasulullah, saying, I bear witness there's no other God beside God and I bear witness that Muhammad is a messenger of God. Now, where does it say that in the Quran? 19 times in the Quran, it says, La, 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 right? Chapter 3, verse 18, it says, God bears witness, there's no God except He, and so do the angels and those who possess knowledge, truthfully and equitably. He is the absolute God, there's no God, but He, the Almighty, most wise. I mean, this is the Shahada of God, the angels, and those who possess knowledge. Which Shahada, other than God's, would we want to basically uphold? Now, the funny thing is, do we believe that uh, uh, Muhammad was a messenger of God? Absolutely. Did we bear witness to this fact? Absolutely not. We, not even the people at the time of Muhammad witnessed this fact. This is something that we had to believe on faith. To bear witness means that you see it with your own physical eyes. And God gives us numerous examples in the Quran of this. One of the most blatant ones is in chapter 28, verse 44. It says, You were not present on the slope of the western mount, when we issued the command to Moses, you were not a witness. But we established many generations because of the length of time they deviated, nor were you among the people of Midian, reciting the revelations to them, we did send messengers. Nor were you on the slope of Mount Sinai when we called Moses, but it is mercy from your Lord towards the people in order to warn people who received the warner before you that they may take heed. Right? We were not witnesses to Prophet Muhammad uh, becoming a, uh, a prophet, right? We did not witness this with our own eyes. To say such is an act actually a lie. And God says this in the Quran in chapter 63, which is uh, entitled The Hypocrites. It says, when the hypocrites, this is verse 1 of chapter 63, it says, when the hypocrites come to you, they say, we bear witness you are a messenger of God. God knows that you are his messenger and God bears witness that the hypocrites are liars. Why are they lying? It's because they did not bear witness to this fact, right? To set up any, any entity beside God in the declaration of faith, irrespective if you say that Prophet Muhammad is a servant of God, to establish another entity beside him is invoking on someone beside God. And God tells us consistently in the Quran, especially in the the most blatant is in chapter 72, that the religion belongs 100% to God alone. It says the places, so this is chapter 72, verse 18 and 19, it says the places of worship belong to God. Do not call on anyone else beside God. When God's servants advocated Him alone, almost all of them banded together to oppose Him. 
And you see this. Why is it that people are so apprehensive to this message of worship God alone? Why is it that uh, you see consistently that there's so much anger and rage when you go and tell someone that you worship God alone, that you don't associate any any idols whatsoever with God, that you want to basically only mention God's name in your contact prayers, in your worship practices, that you don't want to mention the names of Abraham, Ishmael, uh, Muhammad, Jesus, anyone, and there's so much uh, so much anxiety against that, right? There's something fundamentally wrong here. And this is the reason that God provided us with a mathematical miracle to purify our religion for us. God says in chapter 65, verse 11, it says, A messenger who recites to you God's revelations clearly to lead those who believe and work righteousness out of the darkness into the light. Anyone who believes in God and leads a righteous life, he will admit him into gardens with flowing streams. They abide there and forever. God will generously reward him. Right? We can be believers in God alone, yet be in darkness. And it's out of God's mercy that God sends messengers to us to clarify these things for us, right? To give us a pure message. God provided us a messenger being this Quran that for all time we can refer back to. And we know that every single letter, every single word of this Quran was from our Creator without any human intervention. God willing, we're going to end there. A um, couple notes. Uh, mashallah, a uh, good brother of ours uh, invited me to do an interview on a podcast. His podcast is um, Boss Talk, and it's on the Opinion Podcast. Uh, and his name is Kayvon. It was a really good interview. God willing, I'm going to publish that in a couple weeks uh, so you guys can hear it here. But if you want to hear it in advance, uh, definitely look up his uh, his podcast. Again, it's uh, Boss Talk uh, at the, uh, the Opinion Podcast. And um, if you got any comments, questions, hit us up at crontalk at gmail.com. And uh, check out our Cron Study notes at uh, crontstudy19.com. Um, until next time, peace and God bless.